In the first reading for Reformation Sunday, we are told to fear God and to give him the glory. The first reading is from the book of Revelation, the third chapter. And then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. This is the word of the Lord. The Psalm Audi for Reformation Sunday is Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, and he burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In the second reading, we hear about the righteousness of God through faith. These familiar words have been taught to us in our confirmation classes. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. The second reading is from Romans, the third chapter. Now we know that whatever law says it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as appropriation by his blood to be received by faith. That was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. This is the word of the Lord. I the congregation to stand in honor of reading the Holy Gospel. Holy Gospel today for Reformation Sunday is from St. John, the 8th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, 
you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning again. Good morning. Um, I have a disclaimer coming into this one. This is a uh, challenging message to give because sometimes the words you say you really, really feel. It's like they were meant for you to hear, but maybe it's kind of awkward in your, your chance to share them. So on this one... I kind of think that God wanted me to hear these things, but the awkward part is, is I get to share them, and they're just really getting on my heart this week. And part of it had to do with how some of the week started. So this week, is, uh, the week started with me watching a movie, uh, a movie that our country and a lot of the the media and the other people in the country wanted to never have produced. And then on top of that, once it was being produced, they wanted to make sure it never be displayed. And in spite of all that, it was produced, and there are a few places around the country where it can be seen. Um, it's not being advertised. You won't ever hear about it, probably from the media. But the movie is about a, uh, a doctor. His last name was Gosnell. Gosnell. And um, it's a haunting movie, tremendously haunting movie. It's a movie, uh, it's almost like a war, heaven's way versus the devil's and the world's way. And um, it's a struggle. Um, and it's just the harsh part in there is that there's not a gratitude for life in this struggle. And that's that. And it got to me. It's been haunting me all week, this lack of gratitude for life. And then we come into the Reformation. Today, we remember the 501st. So last year was 500. And we there was a lot of news around the world about this. I think Luther was a man of the last 500 years. I mean, he's his contributions to the world and his touch on the world is, is profound. Um, but now it's a year later. That's a lot of time. It's just gone by so fast. And what do we do again? Do we remember all the teaching points? Or do we move on to something that was greater? It might have to do with that, again, that theme of gratitude that was just missing in that movie. So on our 501st anniversary today, an idea of gratitude. And when you think about Reformation, that it will take you to that place that's gratitude. When you think about the Reformation, some might think about the past events and just the guy Martin Luther and the historical context about what he was about and what he was for and how that was in opposition to him. The world absolutely wanted to silence this and not let it be seen or known by anybody. The world tried to eliminate it and, and rid the world of that message. But it didn't work out that way. His message was told. And the world did hear it. Some want to think about it. It was only about the sale of the indulgences where you can pay some money and you can buy forgiveness. You can buy God's love. You can buy a place in heaven for yourself or for those around you that you would choose. That would be about indulgences. Some would say it was all about the struggle between works righteousness, being saved by the things you do, versus the saved by just God's love and God's gift. But it was more than just thinking. 
for Luther, much like St. Paul and the Apostles. It was about a life of gratitude, a life of constant reformation, reformation. When you think about reformation in just the word formation being done again, it's almost like a life of being where you're, you're being reborn again. You're being reformed into the image that God intended for you at creation without sin. He had an image for you and a life for you and a plan for you. And without sin, what would that be? Oh, God, reform me into that again. That person you want me to be, you created me to be. Reformation is also a new, fresh. Oh, God, the staleness of yesterday, the staleness of even my thoughts this morning, all the stuff and the baggage I bring into it, Lord, make it new. Take the old and reform it anew. But there's another thing about reformation. It's just not again or new, but it's right. And you think about the idea of reformation and being reformed. We want to be reformed right, like we would have been without the fall. Reformed right with our Lord in a relationship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. But more than that, with our friends and our family and the world around us. Right in this word. Oh, Lord, reform us. Make us right. And as we do that, what inspires that is we remember things. On every Sunday when we gather as church, remember God's orders, creation, His plan, His purpose. Remembering that God had a plan to bring us home. You know, in the conversation between service, the idea of predestined. When God, you know, is it, is it just a select few are here? But in John, it says he, he sent his son to save the world. He wants all of his children home. Like any loving parent wants their children home. So in his plan, he would send his son and his son would pay that price on the cross that we cannot pay for ourselves because his son was pure and perfect and blameless. He was at atoning sacrifice, and he did that on the cross. And then for that, he did it while we were yet sinners. He died for us. He died for people that didn't even know his name and were in totally at war with God. And he still died for them. So while we were sinners, he dies for us. It has nothing to do with what we contribute. It has everything to do with his love and what we receive. And then we remember on Reformation that it's a gift. We don't earn it. We never have. Not any more than the little baby in the back gets the love of the parent before it can say thank you or even know what mom and dad is. It's being poured out everything the parents have because they love. On Reformation, we celebrate God's gift. And in there, trusting and asking that the Holy Spirit would absolutely reform us again anew and aright and would help us to say the prayer, Oh God, help me love like you love. God, help me serve like you served. Make me humble. Make me grateful. Make me obedient. We pray that. Make me who you purposed me to be daily. But that's a struggle. It's a struggle every day. Some weeks... Tremendous struggle. Some seasons in our life more than others. And in that struggle and gratitude and stuff, I'm thinking about another movie, but this one wasn't shunned by Hollywood in the world. This one was actually put out there. The name of the movie, this is Persons Living with Life of Gratitude and Purpose, um, Saving Private Ryan. 
That was the name, Saving Private Ryan. In this movie, if you didn't see it, there's a mom, she has five sons. If you don't know if dad has died, we, mom's not really ever, dad's not mentioned, it's just about the mom. And she has five sons. And in this World War II period of time, all five sons have been enlisted into the, the, the Army, the Air Corps, Army, or the Navy, or the Marines. They've, been, they've all been enlisted. And in the movie, we find out in this time of frame, it's D-Day. And they are invading the German, the Normandy beaches, and they're going inland. And hundreds of thousands of people's lives are, are at risk. Tens of thousands of people are dying in that very moment. And in this time, the commanders of the American armies have discovered that this woman has five sons and that four of them have been killed in the war. And there's only one remaining that they know of. And that one son has been put into an advanced batch of troops that have flown in behind enemy lines to capture a town and to capture a bridge because that bridge is going to be essential to run all their heavy equipment and their tanks over. There was very few bridges that could take that much weight and they wanted, they needed that bridge. And that son, that Private Ryan, was sent to take care of that, secure that. Well, the military commanders send a group of people headed by Captain Miller to save this last son, to save him, so she would not have a completely empty house and just five flags. So they go off. They're going to save James Francis Ryan of Patton, Iowa. In this, you show the struggles in the movie, shows the struggles of this group of people or men. They're sent forward through all these obstacles way in advance. They're trying to push through and get there. They show the struggles of, between them as individuals about, is this one person's life worth it? What about your life? What about life? We're, we're dying. We're going to bleed and die for this guy. We, we don't even know this guy. Is his life even worth it? I mean, they're going through all these struggles. They are taking casualties. They are losing their friends. It's a, it's a, it's a big struggle. And there's costs. Finally, they find him. And he's at the town where he's supposed to be. And he's been fighting with his group. Now there's just a few of them left for this bridge. It's been an epic war. There's a lot of war evidence all around. They find him and they ask him. The question is, Captain Miller approaches as he says, James Francis Ryan of Iowa. It's not every day that a captain finds you on a battlefield like this. But the captain comes up to him. Yes, sir. Pat and Iowa, that's correct. What's this about? Captain Miller says, Your brothers were killed in combat. Private Ryan says, Which? Which ones? Captain Miller says, All of them. He pauses in shock, even in that battled, hardened space because war has been taking place even in that place he pauses and he starts to cry and then he says softly to himself it doesn't make any sense and he says it louder for the captain hill it doesn't make any sense sir why why do i deserve to go home now why not any of these other guys they all are fighting just as hard as i am Captain Miller says, is that what they're supposed to tell your mother when they send her another American flag folded? Tell her. 
that when you found me, I was here and I was with the only brothers I have left and that there was no way I was going to desert them. I think she would understand. There's no way I'm leaving this bridge. And at that, Captain Miller and his small group of people says, we can't make him. We're going to fight with him. He's a good guy. We're going to fight with him. We're going to keep him alive. And so they start preparing for the advancement of the German troops that are going to come and destroy this bridge, take this bridge and stop their entrance into to the, the ending of the war. And so Captain Miller puts people on both sides of the bridge. They put four guys up. They positioned it. They've got all their stuff in order. And then here comes the fight. Here comes the tanks. Here comes the troops. And it's a full-on war. Men are dying all over the place. Explosions. War. But they held it. And they saved Private Ryan's life. He did not die. And at the end of that battle, as the dust is settling... And they realize that they've held on one more time. He sees Captain Miller lying on the bridge. And the last scene on that battle stance is he walks over to Captain Miller, appreciative of what's just happened, in shock of everything that's just happened. Captain Miller's got bullets through his body. And he tries to speak something, but he doesn't have enough voice. Private Ryan gets closer. And he says softly, what, sir? Captain Miller says to him, James, earn this. Earn it. At that, the movie withdraws to where the movie started. A man is standing on the cemetery overlooking the, the ocean on Normandy's coast high above this thing and there are tens thousands white markers perfectly aligned it's a cemetery for the fallen American soldiers and that soldiers thousands and thousands you look both ways and there you see now the old um, James Francis Ryan and his family's in the back he's brought his family with him and he's standing in front of a marker And it's like when he stood there in the beginning, it flashed to the war, and now it's flashed back to him standing there. And as he stands there, he's speaking to the tombstone as if he can speak to the saint who's listening to him. It's like a prayer of sorts to the saints, and he speaks out to this Captain Miller's grave. He says, my family's with me today. They wanted to come with me. To be honest with you, I wasn't sure how I'd feel coming back here. Every day I think about what you said to me that day on the bridge. I tried to live my life best I could. I hope that was enough. I hope that, at least in your eyes, I've earned what all of you have done for me. Now, in that moment, his wife has approached. James, she says. And now she's looking at the tombstone, the headstone. She says, Captain John H. Miller. 
Old James Ryan is now asking his wife something that's haunted him every day of his life since that day he was saved. He asks her, tell me I have lived a good life. He needed to hear it. He needed to have the affirmation that, that he had not squandered what had been so expensively given to him. He's been a good man. He's been a good husband. He's been a good father. His sons, his daughters, his grandchildren are all right there. They're well kept. They're respectful. They are there. And she asks him like, or what are you crazy that you even asked me that question? She doesn't get it, but maybe she does get it. She asks him like, what? Like, what are you, what are you saying? And he says, tell me I'm a good man. And she gets it. He needed to hear and she says, you are. Taps him on the shoulder. And then she leaves to let him keep reconciling his gift. As he stands there in this whole movie, it's about a man who gets it. He has received so great a gift. He has received the opportunity to live another day when his four brothers did not. When most of the regiment and the, the group of guys, his squad, had been destroyed in those battles. He had been distracted to go home when the war continued on for another year plus. Why was this? And he got it so great a gift for him. So great a cost. And that comes back to Reformation. Ryan didn't earn it in that movie. He did nothing. It was a gift. And yet he lived. And when Martin Luther came to these things and all these things, they're trying to work for it and they're trying to earn it and they're trying to, 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 to label it and describe it so they can control it. And Luther said, you guys are like out of your minds. In your heart, it's a response. It's a gift that you have received. You do absolutely nothing for this. And it's already been done. The only thing you get to do now is decide, do you live a life of gratitude? Do you get to live a life that is spent in such a way as that you are saying thank you with every day and every breath for the gifts that you've received? Private Ryan did that, supposedly in the movie. He knew the gift and he lived every day. And at the end of his life, he wanted to hear from somebody that I had honored the gift. Reformation and Luther. He would be praying, Lord, help me love like you love and serve like you serve. Make me humble. Make me grateful. Make me obedient, Lord. Make me. Make my life lived in such a way that it's a life of gratitude for all that you have given me at so great a cost. To live with Jesus anew, reformed. To live in relationship with God and God's people. Again, every day, new, again. And every day, right. Right with his Lord and right with his people. Reformation. The ending of the movie, it just kind of leaves you there. It just kind of pans back. A man standing here next to the tombs or the, the gravestones and his family over there, and you see the echoes of the thousands of people it costs. Maybe it was for the American public to have gratitude for the service of those who have gone before us. 
I don't know what their intents were. But what was not said at the end of the movie would have been entirely helpful for me. Is at the end of the movie, after he had asked that question, and as after his wife had come up and said, yes, you have lived a good life, that the very last thing he would have been able to say for us to end the movie with would be maybe the word that I ask us to consider today. And that last word would be, thank you. The last thing that Private Ryan could say to Captain Miller while he was on earth would be, thank you. And maybe that's Reformation word for us today. That anew and again and a right that we would approach the sacrament at the altar underneath that cross. And the last thing we will say today is thank you. And we'll teach the next generation to do the same. God help us be that church. Amen. We declare our faith. We'll use the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and on the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for God's people. Lord, you are our refuge and strength. Defend your church from the attacks and accusations of the devil. Deliver her from every error that would cloud the joy of your salvation. Preserve the proclamation of the gospel in your church. Make it resound to every nation and tribe and every people and language. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and his word. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, you are our fortress. Hear our prayer for all who are in captivity of sin and only imagine themselves free. Open their eyes and ears with the words of Jesus. Grant to them the true freedom that only comes from knowing you and living their lives according to your will. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of this world, in, in your sight nations rise and fall and pass through times of peril. In this fallen world, nations rage and kingdoms totter. War, violence, and division plague the earth. Defend us from conflict and be our king of peace. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of this nation, guide and direct those in positions of leadership in government, along with those who wear the uniform of our country to be led by your wisdom. Give them a conscience, a desire, and a discernment to search, know, and to do your will. When we turn away from your ways, help us to reverse our ways and repent. Give us your light and your truth to guide us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of grace and compassion, hear our prayers for all who cry to you for healing in body or mind, heart or soul. Today we remember Kurt and his family, Jeff, Marceline, Audrey, Jim, Allison, Dallas, Donna, Martha, Perry, Lissa, Dana, Greg, Stephanie, Mary, Sierra, Luke and Regina, Pam, Barry, the May family, Lila, and Jacob, and those we name in our hearts. Have mercy upon each one. In your time and way, grant them release from their afflictions. Sustain their hope in the full and final healing that awaits us on the day of our Lord's appearing. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your loving arms, Heavenly Father, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. 